a lot of big words come to mind, you know, when I think of this person, Hasita, billionaire, rocket science, business maker, truly eccentric and quite the maverick. But I really did not think he would bring a company down to its knees like this. Yeah, we're talking, of course, about Elon Musk and the things that he is or isn't doing with Twitter and what's going on there, right? Something or the other seems to be happening on a daily basis. Yeah, I think, you know, all the words that I used to describe him, I mean, that's that's his brand. And then I'm thinking, okay, you've paid a lot of money to buy Twitter. And so my expectation is stay on brand and, you know, work your rocket science magic and uh, make Twitter this amazing utopia that we've all been waiting for. But it's so frustrating <laughs> to see it just go the other way. Yeah, but... I mean, are you surprised? I'm not really surprised, you know what I mean? Because he is the evil genius, right? He is the eccentric guy, like you said. And he'll continue to be, I guess. So I'm not surprised that he's breaking a few things before figuring out how to fix them. I mean, I hope he's figuring out how to fix them. Interesting, you know, like how we see his brand so differently. I didn't think of him kind of breaking it down to fix it. Oh, true. I mean, uh, why is it that, you know, eccentric genius or the evil genius bit sticks with one of us? And somehow it's the rocket scientist that you're still kind of, you know, hoping for. And where is why is that not emerging? So yeah, either we are reading news from very different sources or maybe a brand, even a personal brand for that matter, is just a perception, I guess, that we hold in other people's minds. So let's discuss that, you know, if uh, the big guys are messing it up uh, and we don't really know what to expect from them, then what hope do the little ones have, right? Like, where do we go? Yeah, let, let's figure it out. Like, what does staying on brand mean if you haven't yet figured out your personal brand? Welcome to the Damn Good Marketing Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about personal brands and whether they are similar to or different from company brands. And what is step one really in building a good personal brand? Because like we just said, you're out there. We're all out there. So might as well take charge of it and build something meaningful from it, right? Oh, yeah, so true. Whether we like it or not. And I think uh, we all experience it at work, at home, family, with friends. Um, there's already, you know, a personal brand that exists for each of us in the circles that we live in and move in. Um, and it's maybe unnamed it's not really you know you don't know what it's called but you still exist you're surrounded by that branding so in that context what is personal branding and and why do I have to even do anything I just have to be me right I mean you better be doing something about the personal brand right I mean given that your LinkedIn profile is already out there and you're probably featured in some you know PR pieces or maybe there's a college editorial just lurking around from a decade ago, popping up in internet search. None of us today, I think, have the luxury of not taking charge of that anymore because by choice or by default, we live very public lives. Uh, so yeah, you better think that there's something to be done about building a personal brand. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it comes down to um, really taking charge of it because you know the, the perception is already getting built out there and um, there's a way in which folks are seeing you. So why don't you kind of drive that narrative, right? Correct. I mean, just go Google up our names today. You know, you just take a look at the top 10 search results that appear. And you'll be surprised by what you find, right? Like when I look my name up, there's this one ghost Twitter profile that I've used uh, 
a long, long time ago for a very interesting cause, which we'll discuss some other time. But I've done nothing else. I think for the last six, seven years, it's just been lying dormant. Uh, it's got a very cute picture of me and my daughter, which I don't really think I want to be showing the world at this point in time. So might as well take charge of it. I mean, I'm not yet figured out how to delete my Twitter account, but I might as well do that. And I might as well decide what will be the top three or four search results that show up when someone looks for me. It makes sense. Like you said, uh, even uh, when I search myself, there's uh, a very old pic that comes up from some, you know, article in a in an online magazine uh, of me and my girls. And I don't want that out there. That has very little to do with the brand that I am (laughs) wanting to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so let's kind of get with the program, get into that bit of storytelling, that narrative that uh, is uh, finally that's useful to each of us. I mean, we're trying to break through clutter. So um, let's get a bit selfish. Is that what I'm hearing? Definitely. I mean, if you're going to go to the effort of building something, then it has to mean something back, right? And lots of people do reach out to us uh, and say that I know for a fact that my investors are looking me up. I know for a fact that my employees, my potential hires are all looking me up. So how do I put myself out there in a way that's meaningful and relevant to them? Because I do want to succeed, right? Like, why should my presence matter to an investor? Because I hope that they will invest in my startup or my company. So yeah, I mean, when it's done right, I think a brand is such a powerful way to create that difference in somebody's mind to make an impact even before you've met them. If there are a thousand, two thousand people out there doing something in a similar domain, then how do I know, right? Who do I trust? And I think just building that brand, being very authentic and very mindful about it can actually help us stand out a little bit more. No, very, very true. And I think um, in the context of marketing and running a successful business or for that matter, having a successful career in in whichever field that you're in. Um, Everywhere the stakes are high, you need to be your best, have good sales numbers, you want to attract the best talent. And so a lot of it is about your reputation in the market, which comes from the founder and the founder's brand. And, you know, uh, right now there's so much happening suddenly in the skincare market. I just very random thought this morning um, as it is I was saying that you know Opriyanka Chopra came into the country not the brand of her own India is big news nowadays but anyway uh, you know launched a skincare brand of her own and then very quietly um, you know Deepika Padukone launched her brand suspiciously around the same time and uh, this morning I was listening to uh, Victoria Beckham on DAX, which I highly recommend. I mean, I knew nothing about her. And then she goes on about, you know, her skincare range. And and I'm thinking like so much of the person's personal brand impacts that business which they've started, right? It, it tells you a little bit about, you know, what's that price range? Is it a premium item? Is it a luxury item? Uh, who are you more curious about and whom do you want to? kind of say, hey, I tried their brand, right? Because they put something yeah. out there. Would I have the same reaction to, I don't know, like Janvi Kapoor's lipstick range or a Rakhi Sawan skincare? I wouldn't personally, but 
Yeah, that's totally okay. The funny thing is, I would actually probably buy Janvi Kapoor skincare, right? I mean, it's just I I know that she started out being the girl who landed opportunities uh, for no good reason, except that she was a producer's daughter, got on the nepotism bandwagon. And therefore, even if she failed the first couple of times, there were the very fact that she got more chances uh, was proof that, you know, she was being protected by a larger uh, Bollywood nepotism mafia, so to speak. Uh, but I think over a period of time, she's really intentionally turned that around so much, I feel, uh, because I have watched a few of her interviews and she's, I think, actively doing more of those deep dive interviews, uh, 20, 30 minutes long. You see the nuance layer of somebody who's, I mean, essentially a very young person who's lost a celebrity parent in the public eye. And now she's trying to move past it in as graceful a manner as possible you see that the film choices she's making are not very conventional. So she's been very, you know, cognizant of the perception that she had. And I think she's taken charge of it. That's such a brilliant example of personal branding in my mind that she spun it around in whatever capacity that she could. You know, funnily enough, uh, while we discuss this, we are also talking about the small guy, right? Like how many of our families really know what we do? Uh, If we had to ask them, hey, what do you think I do? Uh, or what answers do you think could really come up, right? No, that that's so true. I mean, like, look at you, like, there's so much about you that's, um, that's let's say, Marvel-related, right? You write <laughs> a lot about Marvel. And um, that's that's something about your brand. But your brand is not that, hey, I'm a Marvel fan. But it's that, okay, I take this thing, which means a lot to me, and I take a yeah. very nuanced, philosophical and sometimes even, you know, advisor to Marvel, like, hey, this is what you guys should do. <laughs> so in that, uh, yeah, and, and when you're consistent with that, then the expectation is also that you're yeah. not the song and dance Marvel fan. You're right. Like, it's a very therapeutic thing for me to kind of unearth some of the layers and nuances of some of the movies and the universes that they create. So in many ways, it is an extension of who I am. And I think it's great that you brought it up because it's not a thing that I'm putting on um, in an effort to be more relatable. It's not external at all, right? If I was the only person alive on the planet tomorrow, I think I would still be a Marvel fan. And I think it's that authenticity that has to become the core of a good personal brand in my mind. Uh, Because otherwise, you know, you build it, you especially in a digital context, you say several things and then people meet you and it's quite likely that they'll meet someone completely different from what they knew to be you as a digital entity. No, because um, and and this thing about uh, authentic and being true, it's a a huge burden that uh, sometimes feel like it feels like we're placing on ourselves that kind of consistently reminding ourselves to be authentic because Um, If you're authentic, you shouldn't need to remind yourself. But yeah, like what you're saying is right, that if you are going to control the narrative, then you can make sure that the narrative works for you, that that it's about things that you do and that you care about and that you um, genuinely want to be known for or talking about. So um, truly personal in terms of branding. True, true. In fact, I did try to bring, uh, and that's been a bit of a failed attempt in that sense. I've tried to bring the Marvel side of things to my LinkedIn presence as well, which is where I spend a significant amount of time. But somewhere I also realized that I'm not ready for it. In the sense that I think maybe authenticity is often confused with honesty and truth. 
But maybe it's just an acceptance of that true sense, right? Like maybe the thoughts I have are not suitable for a medium or a platform like LinkedIn, or at least I carry the perception that they are not suitable for a medium like LinkedIn. And just being aware of that in a way has allowed me to be a little easier about it. So Mm -hmm. I think that's where, you know, when you have so many layers and nuances to being human, and I think that's true for all of us, uh, you need to also accept that not everything has to be out there, right? It's okay to have a few things out there in a manner that feels comfortable to you. Uh, and that's more than enough sometimes. Hmm. Interesting. And, um, you know, all of this is making me think that when it is such a strong kind of presence, right? The personal brand, and it really comes from who you are as a person and what you're able to in a way, sustain and truly put out there and uh, in in a very, very consistent manner, then what really is a company? Because many times it's Mm -hmm. not just one person, right? It's a set of founders and each one comes with their own uh, personal brand attributes and some of them could clash with each other. Without reigning in that beast, it could run in any number of directions and you don't want it to go to a place where it starts to cause you a little bit of trouble, right? And we've seen this uh, with Baiju's recently, Subha, wherein mm-hmm. on the one hand, there was news about, uh, you know, people being uh, laid off and it was not a great place to be. And one of the founders had actually come out and said, I feel like I'm losing Baiju himself, which is a very profound thing to say. Now, the next day, you can't then, you know, have a co-founder who's celebrating the news of signing a famous footballer, right? So, and somehow you're left to wonder, are these people running their content calendars themselves or is someone else in charge of it in some ways? Because these two are very dissonant messages and shouldn't have gone out at the same time. That's where I think uh, it's so important to dissociate the company brand uh, from the individuals as well. Like it's okay for all of them to tie together, like all rivers would eventually flow into the sea if I could be very philosophical about it. Uh, but it's okay to not let that overlap be significant as well. In fact, we're currently working with a team of four co-founders uh, and all of them have several different personality attributes. Uh, even their sense of humor while it resonates with each other is not the same. Right. So it's okay for your brand then to not flow into the context of a company like, you know, vegan meat is such a big uh, thing in today's day and age, uh, including cricketers. Everybody's kind of endorsing it. And I know a certain meat brand where the founders are vegetarian and they've always been. Uh, But the messaging that the brand has put out to the world, of course, is like vegan meat is a great alternative to not vegan meat. uh, You know, the one that comes from animals. Uh, And somewhere my question is, how do you know? Like you've always been vegetarian, but I see where they're coming from in that the narrative is not for themselves, right? It's not born of them. It is what has to be sold in order to uh, communicate to a customer, I would say. And I think it's perfectly fine. It's a lot of food for thought because you're right. You have to somewhere disassociate the company, but also it has to... um, Align with what you believe to be true or right or important. Um, I worked with a couple of founders who are very, very genuinely and wholeheartedly in the space of sustainable products, right? Be it toys or books or, you know, clothing. And as individuals, I know that they truly believe in it. They believe in uh, 
running their business through sustainable practices, uh, which could mean so many things, you know, paying your vendor on time, uh, making sure that the vendor has access to the materials that you need, etc. But they are never going to be uh, personally the kind of in-your-face yeah. advocates of, hey, did you, you know, call out a Starbucks because it has plastic straws or did you segregate your trash today? And uh, they're not going to do that. But uh, through them, and in a way, co- contributing to the company brand, the company stands on its own in in its in its sustainability initiatives. Even the stuff that they make, a lot of it is for kids. Um, you wouldn't look at them and say these are very kind of crazy, funny, uh, childish, or, or you know, I don't know. Like uh, I won't say they're non-fun, but they're not the song and dance fun type of folks. Yeah, yeah, business serious about the business and because of that they don't have to be bubbly and jumpy and chirpy all the time and that's such a beautiful example of how you can really separate yourself from the brand right like there is alignment uh, that's why you started what you did but it's not necessary for you to be also the fun person in the room to also be the face of the brand in that sense uh, and that's again a very conscious choice because you know that at some point it's going to become a bigger team. You know that there are going to be more people who will bring their own personality into it. And, uh, you know, it's not always easy because every company is personal, right? You've put sweat and blood into it and you're probably going to want to leave some of your influence, some of your impact behind. But that's such a nice and mature choice to make also to say that, uh, you know, my company is this and it can be represented this way. Uh, And it's okay for me to not put myself out there in the same way. Like I'll find parallel ways. I'll find ways to show that I'm serious about scaling this business. I'm serious about doing what I do. Uh, And the fun is being had in the product or the fun is being had as a product of the community that I've managed to build. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, it sounds a lot complicated, but then I think all of us would have made those choices at some point in time in terms of how we put ourselves out there, right? I mean, Subha, you and I have also made those choices on some level in terms of how we run our businesses and this podcast. Very true. I mean, and the the choice bit, um, you know, two of us met somebody last week who uh, we were talking to her in the context of her company and how it came about and what are the things that uh, she believes in or what she represents. And I think it was very, very bold and... uh, very honest of her to say that, hey, I'm a woman who's built a company, but that doesn't yeah. mean that I need to be the evangelist for women entrepreneurs and make that a part of my brand forcefully. Right, right. right. Uh, and I think that's important that one, we do have a choice. So all we're saying is that it's about taking a, some charge of that narrative. Yes, the uh, the outsider is always going to have their own perceptions, right? That's yeah, true yeah. of the world. And you can't uh, define or control 100% of it, but you can be consistent in what you put out there. I like what you said about perceptions, right? Because in NetNet, we are all processing the world through the filter that is our mind and our perceived experiences. And if I'm going to be, uh, you know, a public persona, then I will have to accept the fact that people will make judgment, right? Uh, so that's where I think we need to then choose and apply a filter saying, firstly, like we said earlier, what are the three, four things that I'm comfortable discussing? We don't have to claim something that's not our own. And then is what I'm saying relevant to another person? Is the sharing of my experience 
going to enrich somebody else's life, right? Because we all have stories. But I think by applying that little filter of saying, how can I turn this narrative around to be helpful to another person? And that could be in a personal context. It could be in a professional context. It could just be the one thing that makes a difference to somebody somewhere. And that I would say is a successful personal brand built right there. You know, thinking about what is valuable to my audience immediately made me think of Reese Witherspoon and, you know, both of us uh, devour a lot of books and many of them nowadays have the kind of Reese book club stamp on it, right? And this came out of nowhere. Like we woke up and one day suddenly there was uh, an Insta handle and suddenly there were, you know, some um, very, very pretty images of book covers and we said, oh, Reese is saying, read this, so let's try it. But I think in for her also, like like our podcast, it it, it was yeah. like a pandemic project to reach out to her audience um, and say that uh, maybe it's a bit of rebranding that you know me as the legally blonde girl and uh, that has defined me for a long time. But I do have the other interests and I have very powerful or rather my recommendation will hold a lot of power. So let me make good use of it. And, and and I love the way she's built that community by simply saying that, hey, um, I've read this, I genuinely enjoyed it. And I think I know my audience, I know the community that's following me. And hence, I think you guys will enjoy it too. And and that has worked. And so this has, that belief has gotten stronger, that community has gotten stronger. And she's using that power brilliantly. Like she's producing movies with solid, you know, women leads. She sold that right. company for a, for a huge amount. And uh, really, I don't know if so much of rebranded, but I think, yes, she's moved on from just an actress to a businesswoman and so much more, you know, producer, oh, businesswoman, no. et cetera, et cetera. And uh, a simple thing like the Reese Book Club has been part of that transition. Oh, and that's the harness that we are kind of talking about when we talk about reining in the personal brand, right? Like when you harness it, it's got a power of its own. Uh, And she was, you know, by virtue of being a celebrity in a position to be able to maybe shine a light on some of the authors who may not have otherwise found the same kind of fame that they did. Now she's kind of helping them do their book to screen adaptations. So you see that a lot of good is going around. You know, it's a community, like you said, built around a shared love for stories, good stories, stories that were discovered uh, probably during the downtime that she had. But now today it's become a viable business and that's because there was that clear anchor in terms of, okay, this is who I am and this is how I think I can be helpful to the millions of people out there who are either following my work or writing something. Uh, Mm -hmm. And there we are. I think we can all create those success stories uh, on various levels. So true, so true. And I think even this podcast has helped us think about what our brand is in so many ways. Every day, I would say, <laughs> truly. <laughs> Every day we come back to it and we have some thoughts about who we are on the podcast. Yeah. Now it's time for the much awaited topic, Al. I think personal branding, I don't know, from time immemorial, it's it's something that, you know, anyone and everyone knows that it's important, that there is um, the need for a personal brand, a founder brand, a company brand. And there are many different ways uh, in which, it's proven its value over time. But I think yeah. it's the execution crisis, right? How do I make this happen? <laughs> what mm. are some of those do's and don'ts? Because today more than ever, the don'ts um, 
you know you can't you can't wipe it off the internet and you're stuck with it for the next god knows how many years yeah no the reason i laugh is because i think we are also very much on the road to figuring out and i don't know uh, you know to what extent do we have any better advice but i do think let's draw from what's worked for us right because it's I, I mean, like you said, I don't want to be known for something that I'm not uh, for decades into the future. So I think uh, when that's the case, I think especially in today's times, you know, the world is going through war and recession and there's so much dissonance. Sometimes you go on LinkedIn and you think, uh, how is this person living on a different planet? Uh, whereas everybody else seems to have figured out, like, I think it happened, uh, maybe not with a personal brand level, but it happened with a company recently, uh, a hiring firm uh job search firm, if I could call it that, that went through a rebrand. And they just ran one of the most tone-deaf campaigns in terms of uh, changing their name. So they got some few hundred of their employees to post on LinkedIn saying that they are uh, being let go from this company that they were part of for so long and that they are very excited because the future involves the new company's name. And somehow the tone-deafness of that is kind of lost on them clearly, but it's not lost on anyone else. Uh, because people are actually getting laid off in the real world. And this is a hiring company. You would think that this was an opportunity to do some good, right? And instead, they've just turned it into a marketing gimmick, so to speak. But really, it's not a black box, right? Like as much as we have these uh, horrendous examples of how things can go wrong, it's not that we are standing on a stage and we are screaming and absolutely anybody and their uncle is listening, uh, because in some ways, our networks are limited by the number of people that we know and the number of people that they know, right? So if I had to really harness, I think I would just do two things, right? Like uh, one is I would look at my own network. Who are the people that I'm working with? Who are the people that I'm already uh, kind of influencing in some way, either by being their boss or a team lead, or even just an employee who is full of ideas, uh, who are the people that I talk to outside of my work as well? Like, who are the friends? Why are they sticking to me? Uh, and this is especially important because a lot of big uh, deals and transactions are not happening uh, through traditional channels and emails and formal meetings anymore, right? Like, these are all people who know each other. They're checking with each other. In fact, just yesterday, I overheard a conversation where a uh, VC was checking with another uh, VC whether a certain idea was a scam or whether there was reality in it. And it was happening over a very casual uh, drink session. Uh, so one of the many side effects of being in Bangalore is that even like coffee table chat is of this nature. But yeah, just I think look to those conversations, right? There is some value, I think, in knowing what we are saying and to whom, I think. Uh, and that's, I would say, a great place to start, frankly. No, it's, I think, uh, uh, and I think it's a great advantage. I was just uh, uh, reading the Seinfeld book, coffee table book, if yes. you may. And that's one of the yeah. things uh, he and the other comedians discussed that in a way in their times, which was 70s, 80s, etc., you you played to a room and you didn't know who was in the room. So you had to yeah. cater to a very wide audience. But he says today, maybe some of the folks have it easier because thanks to algorithms and social media and various other tools and tricks, you can know very well who your audience is and you can keep growing that kind of audience right yeah so yeah you can build that community like just going back like Reese can build that community of book lovers or story lovers and then you know exactly who you're talking to so you can 
present yourself and your company in a way that will, like you said earlier, add value to that group and appeal to that group. True. And which is really where the second aspect of it all comes in, right? Because it's also maybe very easy today to be held hostage by the numbers and the metrics and the mm. engagement. Do people like me, right? And it's measured in the form of, you know, the, I mean, numbers don't lie is the saying, but uh, data can be interpreted in so many different ways. So while we do build an audience, I think it's important to rein in the temptation to say, okay, I tried this once or I tried this twice and nobody seems to be liking it because I think we are seeing way too much content. It's only blown up so much more uh, during the pandemic. I say that with a <laughs> little bit of self-awareness in the sense that a lot of what we do are also pandemic projects. But knowing that that's the case, uh, maybe I'm going to have to repeat that messaging five or six times, uh, maybe even more if it's people that I don't know, right? So it's not just about putting myself out there. And we do have a success story of somebody who's consistently been putting themselves out there for the last three, four months. We've been helping them build their founder brand. Uh, and it's just been that, right? Like it could have been so easy for them to turn around at month one or month two and say, uh, hey, this is not working. But they kept it in. And now after four months, five months of repeating the same message over and over again, it's really beginning to work for them. So two things, really: one, look to the network. And two, I think, give it time. Don't get lost in the numbers. Let the numbers guide you in terms of what to do. But they are not the end goal. Right. A lot of times there's a deeper story there. Yeah, no, I think that's important because the numbers uh, and, and we talk about it so often, the numbers don't tell you the kind of, I don't know, the collateral impact that some of this work that you do has. Right. Oh, it's true, not right? always just the, like, yeah, you could have 10,000 followers or you could have five people reach out to you and give you valuable new business. Like, say, for example, we, you know, just as we were kind of getting a little flustered about the podcast listenership, uh, Navya Naveli Nanda went out and started her own podcast. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't help but think, oh, shucks, like, you know, if a celebrity with a following is already going to be doing this, then where do I begin? Right. The other day I saw Luke Kutinho on LinkedIn. I'm not sure what he's up to. We've seen cricketers suddenly become quite active on LinkedIn. And you're like, please leave something for the underdog sometimes. And that's why I can't look at, say, a Sunil Shetty's engagement and feel bad that I don't have the same kind of leverage, right? And it's such an insecure, I, I'm not going to be helping myself doing that. You know, we've kind of poked a bit of fun at it saying, why is Sunil Shetty on LinkedIn? And, I, and I'm just, actually, it's just kind of coming to me now that if he <laughs> wants to rebrand himself as, let's say, a serious investor looking for startups uh, somebody who knows business who understands leadership who yeah and actually a lot of it he has done right he's run very successful restaurants etc he's not just yeah. a bollywood actor but for him to in a way rebrand or put that brand out there um mm. part of that part of that process or that execution which we've been talking about is perhaps coming to linkedin and telling his business side stories that is so true. Like I would not have known that he was a successful entrepreneur if not for the fact that he started posting on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And I hope, I mean, more power to him, right? And more power to all of us as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really not a race in the sense that I think we are all at different points in that journey. 
and investing in it will pay off. It's just about, I think, tempering certain expectations sometimes and knowing that we didn't start out as a Bollywood celebrity. So we have to make peace with the fact that until yesterday, we were an unknown entity and it's fine. Right? <laughs> I think that's the key takeaway if there was one. So true. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode about personal branding. Where do you begin, right? And what is, is there like a level zero? What is step one? What is step two? And uh, we genuinely hope that you found the information useful here. And if you have any questions, please do reach out to us on LinkedIn. Our profile links are in the show notes. Don't forget to give our podcast a follow. We really appreciate all the love that you send our way. Thank you. Bye.